Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to the RFWP podcast, where we are seeking truth and finding God's heart. I'm your host, Lois McNair, and with me is my wonderful co-host, Emily Lewis. And this (laughs) week, I'm the one that sounds like a chain smoker. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks ago, it was Lois. I don't know how, how, like, I was sick and then you got sick. But we don't live near each other. You think it passed, you know, through the airwaves somehow? <laughs> it might have. I don't know. They don't have all things figured out yet, right? <laughs> I wouldn't let Emily open tonight because when she started to open the episode, she's sounding like Neff because her <laughs> sinuses were so stopped up. They are so ah. jacked up. So we're so glad to be with you guys this week and um, talk a little bit about a subject that, Emily, I know you've touched on before in your podcast, and we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight. Why don't you let our listeners know what that subject is before we talk about our micro joys. Right. Yeah, tonight we're going to talk about guilt, because um, I think guilt presents itself in so many different ways. I'm um, sorry, what? that just got me tickled because it sounded like such a joyful topic, because you're like, yeah, tonight we're going to talk about guilt. <laughs> I was like... <clears throat> okay. Um, well, you know what? This actually does fire me up and get me kind of excited, because there is so much breakthrough to be had in this genre in this realm because a lot of us are carrying guilt that we don't have to and a lot of us are associating like wrongdoing where there is like we're not doing something wrong because of past narratives that have been spoken over us and things that we need breakthrough in areas that um, we can experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us um, rather than this heavy burden so yeah like when we hear guilt you probably usually do not smile and you think of like this heavy burden that maybe uh, like Pilgrim's Progress, like heavy burden on your shoulders. And that's, oh gosh, yes. it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm about to let you, I'm about to let you loose on this topic. But before <laughs> we do that, do you have a micro joy this week? Oh my goodness. Okay. So I have... A micro joy. I got to hang a door over our laundry room and it just, just it makes me happy. Um, it's a barn door, so I got to hang the I got to get the power tools out and drill the holes and all the things and hung oh, the door. Okay. And it's That's it cool. rolls so smooth and it hides my laundry room and Nice. Really I wasn't sure where you were going with that because you said you got to hang a, a laundry, you, you got to hang a door over your laundry room. And I was like, <laughs> are you hanging stuff from it like you do in a kitchen if you hang a door and you put your pots and jazz on it? But I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You just it's had really to man. You just had to mansplain it to me. I did. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> I was mansplained recently, and I was. I was. My pride was hurt. <laughs> just put it that way. Okay. I'll have okay, to hear that so, story later. <laughs> transitioning out. <laughs> What's your micro joy this week? So my micro joy, you know, um, raising four kids and all of our kids are adults and um, one still lives at home. He just graduated from high school a little over a year ago. But the other three live on their own and, um, you know, Thanksgiving's coming. And we're just used to having Thanksgiving here for those that come. And sometimes, you know, a couple of the kids, they, they go to their in-laws and it's a plan and we all get that. Um, but Bobby and I were just talking, you know, we'll do Thanksgiving, you know, we're going to do like the whole thing if we're not going to have everybody here and all that. And the very next day, one of our daughters called and said, you know, we only get Thanksgiving day off and then we have to be back at work. So we're not going anywhere. Um, what do you think about having Thanksgiving up here with us? Um, which is just 40, 45 minutes. And it was so cool. And I got so excited about it because it was like we stepping into this new time in our lives where now our kids are going to start having us there for, you know, a holiday and mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. So that was my micro joy to, to, uh, have our daughter and son-in-law say, Hey, come here for Thanksgiving. I'm still doing the Turkey and the dressing. I'll just carry it up there once it's done. <laughs> fun. Oh, that's fun. I love it. Yeah. So today's episode is sponsored by our shop. TheSisterSeeker.com slash shop. Um, If you want to support the show and get really cool swag, go there and order yourself, maybe order yourself a Christmas present or somebody else a Christmas present. There's so many fun designs and quotes and things. So definitely go check it out. Yeah. I think untwisting the narrative is still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the one that I get designed for the guys, too, that has relational faith, wonder, and purpose on it. The font turned yeah. out really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, our four purposes for the show and untwisting the narrative, why don't we jump right in to untwisting the narrative of guilt Real guilt, false guilt, shame, all of it. Yep. Yeah. So real guilt is like the definition of that or true guilt, guilt that isn't lying to you. It's really telling you what you did was wrong. It's like um, conviction or when somebody comes to you and says, hey, did this. Um, or the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, you did this, that, and you go, oh yeah, I really, I really did do that and I shouldn't have, and I, I know where I messed up. That's, that's real guilt. And we mm-hmm. don't want to dismiss that. 
though it probably won't get as much time as the other things that we want to untwist and unpack, but we definitely mm-hmm. want to acknowledge that right out of the gate. Right. That right. some guilt is healthy. Um, if you go through life and you never experience guilt, there's probably something wrong because none of us are perfect. Like we are going to mess up. So right. we should feel the weight of, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or, wow, I really wish I'd have done this differently or better. Um, right. None of us are going to get it perfect. Right. And and the Holy Spirit um, is the one who brings us through the sanctification process. So Holy Spirit comforts us, um, but also the Holy Spirit convicts us. Uh, but scripture is very clear that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So when the Holy Spirit comes and brings a reminder to us of conviction or a healthy sorrow for our sin, there's always a way out. It's it's a conviction to bring us to a place of repentance and and to get healing from that. Um, but I think what we're going to talk about a little bit more tonight is not only the false guilt, but the condemnation that the enemy, that Satan tries to inflict on us when there's already been forgiveness for something or when we haven't actually done something wrong. We'll talk more about that. But yeah, like you said, we're not, we're not glossing over um, conviction. We're not glossing over um, healthy sorrow for our sin or anything like that. But tonight we want to focus on the false guilt, the lies and things that we put on ourselves. Right. Yep. Because I'm glad you brought up the Holy Spirit because that's huge. So many of us are walking around with this condemnation in our mind and it is actually our enemy. Not only is the he the accuser, of the brethren to God, he accuses us to ourselves and wants to keep us in that bondage. And there's so much freedom available Mm -hmm. in Christ. And you better believe he doesn't want us walking in that. I mean, Priscilla Shire, man, she speaks fire on this kind of stuff. Like stand in who you are. You can be bold in who God has made you to be and fight these lies because that is your power is in the joy of the Lord. Your strength is in the joy of the Lord. And if he can get you defeated and living under this false weight, then he's mm-hmm. he's won. He doesn't have to win because um, it's really hard to fight from that place. It's um, right. Not everything's a fight, but just it's really hard to live from that place abundantly. Um, so the Holy Spirit, like you said, he makes a way out. It's almost like it's an invitation when you are convicted. It's an invitation into a better way. Yes, you'll feel like, oh, I don't feel good about this. Like this doesn't feel good to feel, to be told you were wrong. But there's, it's an invitation because he gives you a way out and he invites you to walk with him. He walks with you and he's not threatening you. Man, I can't tell you how many times I felt like if I if I don't do this, Holy Spirit might stop speaking to me. Like it was like this really right. 
There was so much fear wrapped around that um, that didn't need to be because he is right. kind and patient. That Because that verse um, about quenching the Holy Spirit, that you can quench the Holy Spirit so many times that he will no longer speak to you was, and we use this term a lot, but it was, that verse was weaponized to keep people in their place. That right. verse was weaponized to keep people, you know, in their religiosity instead of mm. walking in freedom and listening to the Holy Spirit for ourselves. But you were talking about Satan and and he is accusing and we we hear of that. But in the book of Job, when when um, when Satan comes to Christ, when Satan comes to the father and says, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And that's, that's a different podcast, but in Hebrew, uh, the noun literally means the accuser or the adversary. It's the accuser or the adversary. So, um, the adversary, the accuser, he, he is not in any way interested in you or I walking an abundant life. Mm -mm. He wants to keep us accused. He wants to keep us defeated. I mean, the scripture says clearly, and I think sometimes we let, I don't think we treat Satan as a celebrity, but I think sometimes we, because our brains mm. can't wrap around somebody being that evil, you know, cause we're trying to find the good in people or whatever, but Satan scripture clearly says came to kill, to steal and to destroy. Some texts say annihilate. That's his job. That's what he does. And that's what he'll continue to do until um, he no longer has uh, reign to to be where he wants to be. Right. Yep. And before we move on from guilt and like into some other definitions, I love to read 2 Corinthians 7.10 because if you're experiencing guilt, which is one definition is the fact of committing a specified or implied offense. It's a fact. It's not a maybe. It's not a, it's like you committed an offense. Um, what is the way out from that? We've, the last few episodes have been on forgiveness. And mm -hmm. I think <clears throat> in this situation, if you're the offender, like what do you do? What are your, um, what kind of invitation is the Holy Spirit giving you to make that right? And 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. So mm -hmm. godly grief produces a repentance. And you said you used the word sorrow. And mm -hmm. when we, we don't... We don't stay there, but we acknowledge it. We sit in it long enough to acknowledge what we did was wrong, and it produces repentance. So yeah. it re produces a change of mind. That's the most simple definition of repentance. Um, 
in a change of direction. So we're going to, yeah. we're not going to go that way anymore if we've sat right. in that. And we're going to turn around and go the other way. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit for direction and guidance in finding a better way. So that's how you get victory over that guilt. That guilt doesn't have to follow you around because it can be covered in the blood. It can be um, completely taken care of. Jesus has completely um, paid for that. And we don't right. have to carry it around anymore. Can I read that that passage that you just mentioned, Second Corinthians chapter 7? Um, I have it pulled up in the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does use the word sorrow. I'm going to start with verse 8 and just read those verses and then let you take it from there. Awesome. Um, and And Paul is saying as he's writing to the church of Corinth, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you. Though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Verse 9. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. In verse 10. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lack re- lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. In verse 11, just see what this godly sorrow produced in you, such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, alarm, longing to see me, such zeal and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. And he reminds us again, like you said, that that the type of sorrow that God wants us to have leads us away from sin and results in salvation, results in our repentance. Yeah. And that passage, it just says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. That's good. It's good stuff. So before we... Uh, move on to the next section. I'd love to give some definitions that I have put together before. Um, yeah, you you actually have a three-part series, video series about guilt and false guilt and put a workbook together and everything. Girl, where can they get a hold of that? Because I think that's super important for you to... Um, have out there. Yeah. I would love you for you guys to go check it out. You can get it at yourrelationshipwithgod.com forward slash guilt free. I'll also put a link in the um, description of this episode yeah. so you can go grab That'd it. Good. But there's so much in this that will help you like identify real guilt, false guilt, work through shame and fear and those things. So these are kind of all kind of all intertwined in a way. Um, I love um, this quote from Brene Brown. She says, shame is the belief that I am bad. Guilt is the awareness that I did something bad. And um, then further, shame says I am awful. Fear says, oh no, I screwed up. That What will happen next? False guilt 
is a feeling of guilt when you didn't actually do anything wrong. And then condemnation is wanting to make yourself suffer, feeling like you deserve to feel pain. So it's, I love that definition of condemnation. I think it helps us Mm -hmm. um, reframe what we're talking about when we go, oh yeah, I am like trying to make myself suffer. um, Did you see Deanna um, from Taiwan? She posted about our episodes on forgiveness and she said, um, you made a really good comment about um, forgiveness is releasing our desire to punish. Mm -hmm. And she applied it to herself like we have to not want to punish ourselves if we've yeah, forgiven ourselves good. and release that condemnation, release that, that grudge that you might have um, and let it go. Cause if yeah. Jesus who is all holy can forgive you, you can forgive you. I mean, not in the same power cause he obviously has so much like power to forgive, but if he's not going to hold a grudge, and he died for you, you don't have to mm-hmm. hold a grudge against yourself. That's you know, you mentioned the power. You mentioned yeah. the power. And that. And the truth of the matter is, I think we forget that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, when we accept Christ into our heart, when we become a believer, when we become um, a new creation in Christ, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. I'm so glad doesn't you mean that. that we're going to sinless. That doesn't mean that we're, that we can achieve perfection before our glorified hearts and minds and bodies and souls in, in heaven. But it does mean that we can live in victory. It does mean that we can take the power that, um, that belongs to Jesus Christ that lives in us. Um, and we can walk in a healthy way in our Christian walk because of yeah. that power that lives Ugh. in us. Not our own, so but, glad it, you said but that. it does live in us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't we don't take advantage of that power. Because like you said, we forget it's there. Mm-hmm. We forget it's there. People say, um, well, that person's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And I get that. That's a, a cliche from another. Uh, is that a cliche or is that a colloquialism or a, I don't know. I can't remember. I, don't know. I, I probably didn't listen in English class, but, um, but what, um, what we can take from that is that uh, sometimes we forget about that power because we're so earthly minded, we forget what's waiting for us. And so we forget to use what God has already given us in that. Right. And not only what we're waiting for, but what has already been granted us as, right. as a believer, that power that we have access to now, the not that life is going to be hunky-dory, or that things are just going to be peachy, but just that we have access to that power to live in that abundant life. Um, oh, I did an episode just a couple weeks ago on abundance. And that that verse in John 10, 10, that same word abundance is sometimes translated eternal. And that's how powerful the abundant life that we've been given 
right now is. It's not something that we have to be waiting for. It's something that we have access to right now because Jesus Absolutely. won the victory. And we can live from right. a place of victory, not like, ooh, I hope I maybe we'll win the victory. No, he's already won the victory. Right. And we can live that out, which is insane. This is it's awesome. So awesome. <clears throat> I love that rabbit trail so much. Yeah, that was a good that was a good rabbit trail. It was good. Okay, so switching kind of to talking about false guilt, um, I want to put you on the spot. And oh, let's, no. give them, <laughs> let's give them some examples of things that we have felt guilt over that we didn't need to. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe mom guilt that you could be in three places at once or I don't know. Wow. I think probably, mm, probably one of the biggest false guilt that I've had um, has come from really, I guess what it boils down to is a, is a place of pride um, in perfectionism. Now, if you walk in my room right now, I've been traveling so much or whatever, and I'm not the, like, I'm not the tidiest. I think, I think I termed, (laughs) I think I coined the term in many episodes ago of being undomesticated. <laughs> somebody reached out to me about that and said that was my favorite word. Um, <laughs> you would go, wait, she's not a perfectionist. Um, but in I am eclectically perfectionist. And so um, I had this feeling that I had to do everything right. And I had to do everything right with all of the kids. And I, this had to be perfect and this had to be perfect. And, and so in that, then there was a lot of guilt that I wasn't doing it the way that it needed to be done or that there wasn't, um, I don't know, just, yeah, I guess mom guilt, um, and I'm so thankful that when my kids were little, there wasn't Pinterest and stuff because I probably would have had a lot more <laughs> mom guilt because I'm not the Pinterest mom either. Right? So yeah, I, that's just yeah, one. That's I know example. that's not. I'll have to think of. I'll have to think about the ones. Yeah, that are more. I have some more relevant. Just to help people get their mind like turning around. This like if you're like I don't know, maybe some of you are like yes, I know I have this. If you're, if others aren't, here's some ideas. Um, you might experience some false guilt when you say no to something that previously oh, you yeah. just said yes to. Um, you might feel false guilt around using your voice and speaking up and mm. stating your opinion or stating your likes or dislikes. Um, you might feel some false guilt around not attending um, church in the same way that you used to. Um, three to thrive, baby. Three to thrive. Right? Um, <laughs> you might feel false guilt over asking questions or um, asking, can there be more? Like questioning the status quo might make you feel like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I should just be um, content. Um, it can make you feel like you don't have just enough faith. Um, and then, You know what? Right then, back up right there where you just said – not enough faith. I think a lot of 
believers can sit in church or sit underneath the sermon or whatever, um, we assume that everybody else has got their act together and the preacher's preaching straight at us. And because we don't have enough faith, then we put a false guilt on ourselves. Yeah. Yep. I'm so glad you said that because our faith is allowed to ebb and flow. It's not static. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's on an upward incline. If you're watching YouTube, you can watch me. But if you're on the audio, watch you can see my hand. <laughs> but like a graph, you know how you're like up and down, but it's like slowly increasing over time. But when sure. we're in the down, we're like, we beat ourselves up sometimes when that's not how it's not linear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You put me on the spot about that question, but you had like a list of eight things (laughs) that we can feel (laughs) false guilt about. Right. Well, you should feel guilty for putting me on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have no put Lois on spot. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Oh, so those are some ways that false guilt might show up in your life. Um, it might be something specific like wearing pants or going to the movies or um, drinking alcohol or something that you like previously had been taught is wrong and now you need to work through that. So I like mm. to talk about our conscience next because that's where this false guilt comes from. It actually comes from a weak conscience. And I don't know about you, Lois, but being growing up, I was always taught the weak conscience was like somebody who was more prone to sin. How was yes. that taught to you? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, but what? You're just more easily is, tempted. Right. But what <laughs> we find in 1 Corinthians 8 is actually someone who has a weak conscience towards something that they don't need to feel guilty about, but their conscience is not strong in truth. So they almost waffle like, oh, we shouldn't be doing that when there's nothing wrong about it. And that would be right. uh, like you've heard the guys talk about the the weaker brother and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. The weaker conscience is the one that is like more easily affected rather than um, I think we hear the word tender conscience and tender. You want a tender conscience. You want to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. You want to be responsive to people speaking into your life um, who have that place in your life who can tell you yay or nay or something. Um that right. would be tender, but tender conscience isn't the same thing as a weak conscience. Right. Can I read those two verses so that people can connect with yeah. what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So um, he's already uh, mentioned, you know, some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that's been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods. And their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. And we don't gain anything if we do. 
but you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. But again, like you said, um, there it mentions the, the weaker conscience and how we're to be careful with that. But you're, you're, do, you're showing us that to explain to us what a weak conscience actually is and where it comes from. Right. So it's not to be dismissive of being gracious and kind and um, gentle with people who whose conscience are weak. Or, you know, we get the, the, in the, like the end of the chapter, it talks about brothers and sisters with a weak conscience and we don't want to wound them. We're not talking about brushing mm-hmm. past that. But where a weak conscience is not the way that we were taught it. It's not just somebody who's more prone to sin. It's actually somebody who isn't strong in, I don't know I want to word this kindly. I guess they're not strong in the truth because they've, some, some lies have been sown in with the truth. So we've hit on several things. Um, and I wanted to mention, uh, some really good material from gotquestions.org. We reference them off and on, so I want to make sure that you're aware that that what I'm getting ready to read is not originated with Emily and I, but it comes from gotquestions.org regarding guilt. When it comes to feeling guilty, we must distinguish between false guilt and true guilt. It is normal to have feelings of guilt when we do something wrong. This is true guilt, but it also is possible to be innocent of something yet feel guilty about it, and this is false guilt, which Emily referred to earlier. The major difference between false guilt and true guilt is their respective origins. False guilt has at least two points of origin, ourselves and Satan. We referenced those earlier when we talked about it. Um. And we talked about the accuser, Satan's name, meaning the accuser. um, And we found that in Job and and it's in other places in scripture, but also in, in Revelation 1210 is referenced the accuser. Um, And got question says, it is a fitting name as he can and does accuse us to our own minds and consciences. Satan will bring to mind our most horrible sins and cause us to focus on them rather than to focus on God's forgiveness. Yeah. And that's huge because I can tell you being raised in a legalistic, um, thwarted type of environment in church, it like it, there were things that I had done that I felt shame and guilt over for years. And when I say years, some of them decades, because I thought I was grasping God's forgiveness, but then it took me a long time. And I think it was probably early forties, maybe mid forties, where I realized that some of the things that I was feeling guilty about, like when I would pray about, I would start to pray and something would come to my mind yes. that I thought was that 
maybe I hadn't actually repented of it and I needed to do something further to clear it or whatever. Right. Um, was actually the enemy trying to defeat me and remind me of past things where I couldn't move forward and live an abundant life, you know, and just come and accuse. Okay. Back to the article. Um, Here's some, here's some things that can, that can happen. And I know this for personal experience. That's why I feel like it's so important for us to hear this um, other paragraph from God questions. Um, The cure for true guilt is not just a commitment to do better as CJ Mahaney says in his excellent uh, little book, the the cross centered life. He says it's impossible to resolve issues of yesterday by doing better tomorrow. Getting rid of true guilt requires godly sorrow leading to repentance, which we talked about earlier. That's what it should do in our lives. And once the sin has been repented of, the result is a rejoicing in the grace of God. You know, and I'm going to step off of the the paragraph for just a second. Um, It should be resulting in the grace of God and rejoicing in the grace of God. But if you've been raised in a very legalistic, um, approval-oriented, works-oriented, after salvation, there's still works to prove, you know, that is very difficult to grasp, to repent of the sin and then to rejoice in the grace of God. Mm. False guilt, and back back to the article, false guilt can result in depression and spiritual paralysis. Someone suffering from false guilt may feel that God has given up on them and despair of ever being sanctified. False guilt tends to be very me-centered rather than God-centered. The tendency is to think we'll never be good enough and we focus on our shortcomings. Oh, I relate to that. Because it was never victory. It was not Jesus. It's not what he's done. It's not what he's doing. It's not what he can do. It's just, what was me? I'm wretched. And like, and what what you've done. just stopped right there. Yeah. And the worse you felt, the more spiritual you were. And no solution and just a tiny, tiny bit of hope, but not much. Yeah. And I want to, I want to just kind of paraphrase a couple of, or, summarize a couple of things that got got questions as said because we can't work through explaining the difference between false guilt and real guilt um, or talk about false guilt without helping all of us understand how to how to move forward from that and so um, got questions article says the cure for false guilt is the gospel and that may Always. sound really simple, but it's so true. It is the gospel and the truth of the gospel. If you're a Christian, start by confessing any known sin. Talks about the promise of God in First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. It goes on. Uh, the next paragraph, focus on the grace of God. 
God's grace is free and it's based on Christ's work on your behalf and it's greater than your sin. So yeah, good. Um, and then they reference the verse that I talked about earlier. You know, um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I love this next phrase because I've heard you say it so many times, Emily. Right. You say, <laughs> preach the gospel to yourself every day. You've got to. Yeah. You have. We have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day because... The enemy is constantly trying to preach other things to us. That's and right. the only way that we can stop that is to preach the gospel over ourselves. Um, the enemy is consistently accusing us before the Father. Consistently accusing us before the Father. And so we need to consistently preach the gospel back to ourselves and who we are in Christ. And I, and I read something today, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the conversation or the, the apologetic of original sin. Um, you know, do we, do we start in Genesis 1 or do we start in Genesis 3? And it does make a difference. And I have read several articles recently. When we start in Genesis 1, everything was perfect. We were created in the perfect image of God. Before the fall, we were created in the image of God. And then the fall takes place in Genesis 3. But that does not change the fact that we are the Imago Dei. We are created in the image of God. And so because Genesis 3 happened, then we have Christ's sacrifice and the grace but Satan would like to keep reminding us of Genesis 3 instead of Genesis 1. Yes. And I think we have to continue to remind ourselves of Genesis 1 and the work that Christ did on the cross. Um, because Satan wants to keep us in what he would consider his um, win in Genesis 3. Yeah. Oh. As we kind of start to wrap up. I would love to read a passage that you can go to or you could just sit and listen to. It's kind of like letting the gospel be spoken over you and then we can get into some practical things that you can repeat and do um, to continue to get victory over false guilt. So Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Mm. Yeah, so. That's so good. That's the essence of the gospel in, in the Psalms. That we are dust, but we are loved. We are undeserving, 
but he showers that grace and that love and the forgiveness on, on us. And living in that place is where the freedom and the abundance is. That's so good. So the solution for false guilt is like like that article said, combat what you're feeling or walking through with truth. Yeah. Um, examine what is going on. If it's condemning, it's not from the Holy Spirit. Um, but then if you're like, I'm not really sure if this thing is wrong, if if this is wrong for me, is God asking me to give it up, but it maybe like biblically it's not wrong, like you will have to sit with the Holy Spirit on some of those. Um, others, you can just get the truth from Scripture. Just go, is this wrong? But there will be those gray where God says, this is not okay for you in this season right now, whatever this yeah. might be. It might lead to a temptation that you have. Um, but sit with the truth. Sit with the Bible and go, is this wrong? Because if it's wrong, then I'll, I'll let it go. But if it's not wrong and it's something that he has given you freedom in, mm. you don't have to put yourself back under that. Don't let the accuser put you back under that. So first go with truth and then speak life. Speak the gospel back over yourself. Know your identity. Know who you are. Know whose you are. And if it's not um, instantaneous, don't get defeated. Some of these things have been spoken over us so many times that it takes repetition to speak the truth over it. And you know what? Mm -hmm. You might just need to go do something to like bust through this guilt. Like I don't know what your guilt is. If it's around listening to different music, maybe you need to go to a concert. Maybe you need to get a tattoo. I don't know. Whatever it is, (laughs) go like do something. I heard a pastor once call it um, testing the grace of God. Do something where you're like, I know this isn't wrong, but it still feels wrong, but I'm going to go do it. Um, Maybe just push push the envelope and go, okay, I'm going to actually like, I'm going to go follow through on the belief. So it's, I guess... To be really corny, it's faith in action. I believe, <laughs> I believe this is not wrong, so I'm gonna act on it. There you go. Yeah. I over spiritualized it for you. But <laughs> as we repeat this to ourselves, our belief changes. So maybe you do mm-hmm. get a Bible verse. Maybe you paraphrase a Bible verse and you break it down, or maybe you just speak an affirmation over yourself. When we're speaking that life back over ourselves over and over again, that is grounded in truth. That is when our belief starts to shift is mm-hmm. when we speak that life that's grounded in truth. Yeah. You know, you said something a few minutes ago that is really, really important. Um, been a little bit of a topic recently um, on some social media. Um, oh, no. What did I do? I wa- no, 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 no. Not, not you. Um, but I want to make it very clear that um, you mentioned, um, you know, remind yourself of what you know is true and, and, you know, speak the truth, speak the gospel over yourself. And I, and I want to make it very clear that 
um, we, and I believe I can speak for Emily on this, but we here on the RFWP podcast believe very strongly in the truth of God's word. We believe that truth is Jesus. I mean, Jesus is truth, period. We have no questions about that. Um, absolutely no questions about that. And so when I hear you say, Emily, that, you know, speak the truth, um, you know, speak the gospel, it reminds me that sometimes we get into circumstances, life happens, things happen, people get hurt, whether it's through abuse or a loss or whatever. And so in those times, there are times where it doesn't feel true. It's, it's a hard place to be and you're questioning things and you're walking through and, and you're like, how, how could God let this happen or this or that? Those are the times that even if it doesn't feel, and I say feel like it is true, that's when we have to remind ourselves that God is true. He is absolute truth. That's when we have to remind ourselves that he is a good father and that what has happened or what is happening to us is not something that he put for some other kind of result, Um, that he is faithful. God's faithfulness was more alive to me in the two to three years of just constant crap month after month and hurt and loss and death and firing and signing non-disclosure agreements against the will and for no reason of all of those things. It's in those tough times that we have to remind ourselves God is truth. He's not, God is not about truth. He is truth. And we believe here on this podcast, we believe in absolute truth. And we believe that God is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And I just want to make that very clear to all of our listeners that when people are walking through things and we want to be compassionate and kind and walk through things with them. It does not negate one ounce that we believe in the absolute truth of who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we have to know where our truth is coming from. And I don't say our truth, my truth, your truth. I think there's some validity. To right, we're not talking speaking, about moral relativism. Speaking your truth, speaking your experience. I think that's valid in, some context that's probably going to get me in trouble for saying that but like what what we do you mean truth- do you mean experience when you say that I mean, do you mean experience so i think <laughs> what you when perceive I say as truth, truth? So, no not what i perceive as truth but it's um we are allowed to say what is our experience like Some people say, I'm speaking my truth Um, when they're talking about this is how I experienced it. Because 
Somebody else might experience a certain culture or a certain church or a certain um, college a very different way. This is this is my truth. This is I'm not like maybe I'm not speaking for the whole of everybody, but this is this is my experience. So I guess yeah, this is that's what, what I want. Through. Right. Yeah. But when I say our truth, what we believe has to be grounded in something that's solid and true and sure and something that's time-tested. And I think sometimes things get pitted against each other. Either you're kind or you're truthful. And I don't know that we can perfectly walk that, but Jesus did, and he leaves us that example where he was truth and grace personified. And Mm -hmm. you can, you can do both, like you said, but, um, yeah, we do stand strongly on that truth. And when you speak that truth over yourself, there is change and not just yourself. You, you can encourage yourself in the Lord like David did. You can get podcasts that encourage you in the Lord. You can read books that encourage you in the Lord. You can read books that challenge you and Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. Let other people let friends speak the gospel over you. That's where we see change, and that's where we see right. our belief shift. Right. And that's um, – I just wanted to share, you know, when you're talking about speaking the gospel over ourselves and truth, I just wanted – you know, I believe our, our listeners know that, but I just wanted to remind anybody that's maybe just newly listening to us that there is no question in our minds and our hearts of what – what the truth is and and who the truth is, not what the truth is. The truth is a person and that's Jesus Christ. And knowing that when these other things bombard us, when false guilt hits us, when, you know, just these other things, um, it's the truth of knowing who Christ is, what he's done on the cross and what scripture says that helps us to be able to discern between the Holy Spirit's conviction and false guilt from the accuser. And yep, when we know that, then we can be able to discern that and step into um, that abundant life that God wants us to live. Yeah. I feel like to make one comment too. It was a few weeks ago. Uh, I don't remember what was going on, but I had been, I got to my Bible time with my journal a little bit later in the morning, which seems to be happening lately. I haven't been getting up and doing it before the girls wake up. And it seems to just be a better rhythm to do it while they're playing because they play well in the morning and I could, I don't know, Mm -hmm. my brain's more awake, (laughs) but I was sitting at the table. (laughs) That, that statement right there, that's enough for me. Like, yes, my brain is more awake just a little bit later. Yeah. So I like getting up early, but it's like, I don't know solitude time rather than like, let's think, let's journal, let's process this. But anyway, I was processing through something and God, and I was irritated with the day and the way things were going. You know how you get that angsty feeling inside? Like, ugh. And I was Yeah, I've kind of, I've had a ugh day. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that. um, I was journaling it out and God convicted me of some selfishness and how I had like this desire for my day to be easy and I did not like being interrupted or to be for my day to be 
like complicated. I just wanted it to be easy and smooth. And that conviction, I remember sitting with it and it feeling kind of heavy, but it didn't put me in a spiral. And that was Mm. incredible. It felt so good. So where, what I want to speak to is if the Holy Spirit convicts you of something real that you need to change, don't let it spiral you either. Don't, don't attach your worth or your value or Mm. like my day has just gone to pieces because of this. No, the Holy Spirit is convicting. That doesn't mean your worth is being attacked. And being able to take a rebuke is hard for me because it feels like my worth and my identity is always attacked if, if I'm rebuked or told I was wrong. So just when you are convicted or you have something that you genuinely are wrong in, don't let it spiral you. Be grounded in who you are. Know your worth. Um, and know that this doesn't define who you are. That's all. And then yeah. I guess to close, I love to just say Romans 8, 1 again that you said at the beginning, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if right. you resonated with this and you want to go a little deeper, go get my free resource. Go to yourrelationshipwithgod.com forward slash guilt-free and do some deeper work here. Get victory over this area. It can be, there can be breakthrough here. You don't have to yeah. live in a cycle of condemnation or fear um, right. or shame. I love the I love the um, portion of the Got Questions article that I read um, some of the paragraphs tonight. We're talking about rejoice in the grace of God. So you said don't spiral into da 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 da. Yes consciously make a decision that when you realize that and you say, Holy Spirit, you know, God, the Holy Spirit, thank you for (laughs) reminding me of that. And you repent and you just, God's already covered it, but you repent, then make a conscious effort to turn and say, now I'm going to rejoice in the grace of God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.